0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 8th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. When we recorded Sports Beat Live earlier today, we didn't know about another positive test for the Tennessee Titans, putting in doubt their game this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. The domino effect of that could touch the Chiefs who are scheduled to play at Buffalo the following Thursday. There's talk of the Titans-Bills game shifting to Monday, and if that's the case, the Chiefs-Bills game could be moved to the weekend, possibly Saturday. So stay tuned for all of that news. On Sportsbeat Live, we also cover the Chiefs at the end of the first quarter of the season, what's gone right and wrong for the team that is 4-0. So if you missed the broadcast, here it is in podcast form with a lineup of Herbie T.O.B., Sam McDowell, and Baje Gregorian Hey, good morning! Welcome to Sports Live, uh, where we talk Chiefs with the the experts on all things Kansas City Chiefs. Let's bring in the panel. Herbie Teopia is here. Good morning, Herbie.
1: We're an expert now, huh?
0: Good yeah, morning, yeah, we're, we're elevated status. Yeah, we're we're now we're now <laughs> experts. Uh, four games into the season, uh, we should know something. Um, <laughs> you Sam would think. Now, <laughs> you would think Sam McDowell's here. How you doing, Sam?
2: Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to see you.
0: And Vahe Gregorian has checked in. Hey, Vahe.
2: Hey, y'all. I remember a football coach saying an expert was somebody who used to be a drip. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would all qualify for that. <laughs> used to hey,
0: be. Hey, we're playing shorthanded today. Sam Mellinger um, will, will not be joining us today and uh, has a conflict. So next time, Sam will be here, and we'll miss him today. But uh, But we'll carry on. The best that we can. Uh, let's start with first asking for your comments and questions. Please bring them and we'll get to as many of them as we can. We've got a lot of topics to cover today but we're going to start where we always do and that is with the injury report and how it will affect the Chiefs for Sunday's game against the Las Vegas Raiders. First of all, let's just say I'm not having as difficult a time remembering that the Raiders in Las Vegas are in Las Vegas as I did that the Chargers are in Los Angeles and not San Diego. Are we? Are, we, are they the Vegas Raiders to you guys? I, I keep writing Oakland Raiders. So I, I, I,
1: I'm, I'm thankfully our editorial team keeps catching it. So I, I still have to get used to typing Las Vegas
3: Raiders.
2: I think uh, the difference... Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. I was going to
3: say, until we get the perk of actually going to Vegas as beat riders, then I can't call them <laughs> Vegas yet.
2: <laughs> well, I know I, we had at least two guys on this call who were eager to be the advanced scouts for that and, and go out there for a week and stay out there for a week. And now you'd have to do it under quarantine. So I guess that's not going to happen. Um, I, I, the reason I think I'm not having as much trouble, and now, of course, I'll type it wrong today, but is just because the loss and the sand, and there's only, you know, Oakland, Las Vegas, not San Diego to Los Angeles. I don't know. It just seems to be a more, a, an easier distinction with a number of words.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think that's part of it. Vegas Raiders seems to you know, roll off the tongue better than Los Angeles Chargers, uh, Vegas Raiders. And, and heck, the Raiders, th- no matter where they're playing, Oakland, LA, Las Vegas, um, <laughs> they're going to have they're going to have a following that um, they they have a national following, and uh, when when the fans are allowed in the new stadium, what is it, Legion Stadium, in uh, in Las Vegas, I, I think we're, we're going to see the same sort of black hole um, fans that Sam McDowell got to get, you know got to know in a, a close up personal way uh, at the game in Oakland last year. So, all right, Herbie, let's start it off with with injuries and the injury report. I guess there was only one. Chiefs player who did not practice yesterday?
1: Yeah, rookie defensive end Mike Dana did not, or Dana, I think, remember, it's not Dana. Dana. It's Dana. It is absolutely
0: Dana. It's Dana. <laughs> yeah. Dana.
1: Suffered a hamstring injury against the Patriots and, and he didn't practice. Uh, we'll see what he does today. I'm starting to sound like Andy Reid now. We'll see what he does today <laughs> or Thursday. But the big one, obviously, is Chris Jones, who, who suffered a, a groin strain in week three against the Baltimore Ravens, was limited leading up to the Patriots game, and then they made the decision not to have him play. He was limited on Wednesday. We asked Coach Andy Reid his comfort level, if they're going to be able to ramp him up this week and hopefully maybe see him return to action. He was limited on Wednesday, so to to steal Coach Andy Reid's phrase, we'll see what he does on Thursday. But here's the thing. Even though he didn't play, Mike Pinnell – drew the start alongside Derek Nadi and recorded a uh, career high 10 tackles. And that's, that's pretty darn impressive. So maybe they can afford to rest him up again because they're going to have a short week next week against, uh you know, they play the Buffalo Bills. Maybe you want to rest him up again until you, that showdown with the still undefeated Buffalo Bills.
0: Scheduled to play the Buffalo Bills. And we'll get into that in a, in a, in a moment. Um, so uh, it, it is also the week that Shard uh, Breland comes off a of suspension. And uh, what, is that, uh, what does that mean for the Chiefs?
1: Well, oh, it gives him an immediate starter if the Chiefs feel he's ready to play because he's missed four games. That's, there's going to be a lot of rust there. I don't know if they're going to like have him start off and, and draw the snaps that he typically did like you saw in 2019. He finished the year with the fourth most defensive snaps. I don't know if you want to rush him onto the field especially with the way the Raiders are banged up. They have 19 players <laughs> on, the in, on, on their injury report on Wednesday, yep. including the 12th overall pick of the 2020 NFL draft, Henry Ruggs. He hasn't played in two weeks because he's also dealing with a hamstring injury. So maybe you can afford to ease Brilliant back in, but, you know, we get Steve Spagnola this morning. We'll find out what their plan
0: is. Yeah, still playing, of course, without LeJarrius Snead uh, at cornerback. Um they do have, along with Rashard Fenton and Charvarius Ward, uh, Antonio Hamilton and and Bo Keys. So it seems like depth wise, they're they're okay at cornerback. Oh, well, agreed.
1: I think they're especially when you consider the game that Rashad, uh, excuse me, yeah, Rashad Fenton had against the Patriots. Turned in a monster game: four passes defense, an interception. I think it was four or five tackles, but. He had a, a monster game where you, you should be able to feel comfortable, especially if the Raiders, if Ruggs is not playing, and so you can afford to maybe ease Breland back in.
0: I know Ruggs practiced this week, or he's a limited practice participant for the Raiders. And of course he was the number, I think number 12 overall draft pick. Um, and it was, uh, they, they made no bones about it. He's, he was, he's going to be their Tyreek Hill, you know, speedy undersized wide receiver. So um, Sam McGowan, I know you wrote about the, the secondary and the pass defense uh, after the game on, on Monday against the Patriots. Um, that has really emerged as a strength of this team.
3: Yeah, um, and, and surprisingly so, I think. I think during the offseason, that was one of the areas that we sort of looked at and, and wondered if uh, they needed to add a body there, especially after the Bashad Breland suspension. You know, uh, It's not a position that you like to go into the season with a lot of youth. I mean, it's 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 a tough uh, spot to just be thrown into the fire at cornerback. But you know, I think that there's a, a few things at play there. I mean, obviously, you 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 drafted well. You're um, you're not paying those guys much, so obviously, you've you've acquired guys that are sort of diamonds in the rough. Um, and obviously, Steve Spagnola's system and um, has has made it to where their safeties help out their corners more than I think what happened under the past defensive coordinator here.
0: OK, let's uh, let's let's go to some of the, the news of the week and not all great news uh, for the NFL and the Chiefs. Um, more than at any time during the season, COVID-19 is uh, is been impacting the, you know, the, the game. And uh, from this is from Roger Goodell, the commissioner, on, from a, a memo on Monday, quote, Protocol violations that result in a virus spread, requiring adjustments to the schedule or otherwise impacting other teams, will result in additional financial and competitive discipline, including the adjustment or loss of draft choices or even the forfeiture of a game. Um, it looks like uh, the NFL office is, is taking it seriously. We know they put out a you know a protocol about a 50-page protocol uh, book in in the right before the the opening games. So. The NFL has, you know, tried to clamp down and and do all it can to prevent, you know, COVID nineteen cases and but but more importantly the spread of COVID nineteen if a player comes down with it. But since, you know, it just in the last week, right, we we had the Raiders charity party uh, hosted by I guess it, or D- Darren Waller was the the uh, the key to that and players were seen there without masks and of course. The uh, the the workouts by the Tennessee Titans, a, a team that ha- I think it's up to 24 uh, positive test cases for the Titans, and um uh and and they've had to re- they've already had to reschedule one game, and 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 we're looking at maybe this weekend's game uh, against the the Buffalo Bills. I haven't seen any news on that yet. We're, we're co- of course we're talking on Wednesday morning, but. Uh, the Chiefs have been impacted by this as well, and we heard from uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid yesterday, among others, about this. Hey, Vahe, why don't you take us through what uh, what, what Patrick
2: Mahomes said and how this is impacting the Chiefs? Well, I, I, a couple of different things on Patrick that are that are kind of interesting, right? I mean, first of all, we start with you know knowing he's the the face of the Chiefs, the face of the NFL, and I think if he were to have one of these. Uh, become positive i think that would that would be you know the most momentous uh guy in the league right now i can't think of anybody else more prominent cam newton was prominent but and then you got the added factor of course of patrick's fiance Brittany being pregnant so there's a very personal side to this too um so and, and we have to go back a couple of days right so first of all you have uh, jordan do you pronounce it tamu am i saying it right tamu tamu, tamu. uh testing positive And, and even though we know their distance and they do a lot of their meetings with, with zoom and he's on the practice squad, he's still a quarterback and there's still some at least intermittent, uh, socially distant contact. So that, that led to Patrick saying he, he slept in another bedroom, uh, over the last few days until he got his, his negative tests. And then of course he had the contact with, with Gilmore after the game on, uh, on Monday. And that was very brief. And I think, you know, it, What we can't, what we still don't know about the virus, or we're still learning about the virus, is it's sort of like a a running back who just needs a little crease, right, to get through. You just, you just don't know if somebody's gonna, it's gonna pop right through, or if the, uh, you know, more likely situation is you'd need the 15 minutes at close range with particles, et cetera. So, all that's a really long-winded way of saying um, we've had reason to wonder whether Patrick might might get it, Uh, and of course reason to wonder whether any other chiefs might get it with a a player in their midst who who had it. Um, And all this stuff, it blared to to your kind of original point. It just makes you think about all these dots and how they connect, right? I mean, now we got a question about whether maybe the Titans will end up playing the bills this weekend. And I guess if that goes off, okay, they're doing it because they think it's safe. But then next up is, you know, the bills and chiefs and how do those things connect? Do they connect in any way? It's there's, a really fine line here between uh, anticipating the worst and and not being vigilant, and I think that's that's the thing that's the whole testament to these times.
0: Yeah, Herbie. What, what, from an NFL perspective, um, Roger Goodell obviously not happy with with the news. And listen, we the, the the league got through what, two two and a half weeks of pretty positive uh, news on on COVID nineteen. Uh, it seems like the, the, the moves that the, the teams made, eliminating the preseason, you know, training camps, all at, the fa- all at the team facilities, the, the early returns certainly were, uh, you know, uh, encouraging that the NFL had been doing the right thing. And then it, and then it seemed like maybe they got a little, little happy with the teams, ind- you know, individuals or teams got a little happy with the news and, yeah. uh, and, and we started seeing some spread that you know, has potentially um, it, it, you know, a big impact on the, the schedule and proceeding the, you know, through the next few weeks of the season?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you can have all the protocols in place. And we, we, the NFL and the Chiefs certainly have some strict protocols in place on how to deal with this. But what you don't take into account is the human factor. Think about what happened in Tennessee they, I the mean, according to reports and some of those photos are pretty indicting. You know, the players knew that they were not supposed to get together and yet they chose or reportedly chose to go practice together at a high school field. That's the human nature part of it. You know, take if the orders are coming down from higher headquarters. I'm going back to my old career here. If the orders are coming down from higher headquarters, obey them. And if you obey them and with the safety protocols in mind, you wouldn't have these issues right now and I firmly believe that you know some of those reports right now the Titans players walking around the team facility without wearing their mask well we know the protocol specifically states wear your mask so it, it, the human nature really comes into play here and I know people are tired of COVID I know we're we're growing numb to it I mean we're we have more than 200,000 dead around the country and I don't mean to sound political here but The fact is you have more than 200,000 dead. Take it seriously. Take the protocols that are in place seriously, and you should be able to go through the season with minimum damage.
3: To me, Blair, what's being tested right now are the protocols in the facility because we all talked about that the key to this season happening as scheduled was what are these guys going to do once they leave the facility? We don't know how Jordan Tamu – contracted COVID-19. I mean, you can be safe and still contract this virus. I mean, we, we've obviously seen that happen. People don't know how they got it. They they, <clears throat> they felt like they were being safe. Um, so I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions on, on whether or not he made a mistake outside the facility. But now what's being tested is their, is their policies inside the facility. And right now, the Chiefs have not had a neg- another negative test. And if that's the case, then that's a success story for the way that they um, set up everything inside their facility. I mean, th- this is the reason that they had the plexiglass between the lockers. It's the reason they have the mask policy with the players. And um, and to kind of echo off of what Herbie said, I mean, this should be an example also for the rest of us in general society as well. This was a guy that was around other Chiefs players. And so far, you know, knock on wood, we're only, what, five days removed from his positive test that it hasn't resulted in an outbreak. And obviously – Tennessee did not have the same sort of safety protocols in their own facility, or at least they weren't abiding by the same measures that the Chiefs have been.
1: If I may interject something here too, because I noticed something yesterday when I was out there on the practice field, the NFL did come down hard after what happened the past week. You know, they, Roger Goodell held a press, or oh, excuse me, a conference call with all the teams on Monday, and, and they implemented stricter policies. And what I noticed yesterday, different from prior weeks. Even during stretching, all the players, all the staffers are now wearing masks while they're going through stretching. And that's just another step. But I think they're being more reactive than proactive. I think that should have been in place from the very beginning. But, hey, COVID, like like, uh, Vahe said, and he made a perfect analogy there, all it is is it's a running back and it just needs that little crease. So the step that you take now to prevent the crease from happening, you know, the NFL wants to play an entire season. I think they're doing the right steps right now, but the human factor—they can't get complacent. And Blair, you hit the nail on the head there earlier. Every, everybody was happy because there weren't any positive tests, but they can't get complacent. That's the key thing.
0: Well, let's let's talk about NFL options here. If um, you know, if, if the Titans are—if uh, doesn't get better and 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 other teams uh, don't comply, and games might have to be rescheduled. All right, so so Goodell has put out, you know, the memo said, fines and, uh, and, and other punishment. But what about, you know, are, are we looking at the possibility of a shortened regular season or, you know, uh, throwing in a, um, you know, an additional bye week later in the season, uh, moving the, the, the playoff schedule, you know, back, pushing it back uh, another week or two, maybe not two, but a week. Are these are these viable options, do you think, for the NFL, Herb?
1: Huh <laughs> that's, that's hey, a hey fair qu- Yeah, and that's a more than fair question. And unfortunately, I don't have the answers to that. Uh, I I don't know what their plan is. I'm sure they, they've built out if if they're the smart business that I think they are before they even started the season, they have contingency plans well in advance. You know what what's if this happens, what's the next course of action, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I would like to think they had that in place, but until they
3: hit the pause button, I don't think we'll ever know what their plan is. Dr. Alan Sills yesterday said that everything's on the table, whether it's pausing the season, shortening the season, um, everything's still on the table. To to me, though, to, to your point, Blair, the I wonder if the NFL is regretting not already adding an 18th week to the season and adding an extra bye week because – Right now, you know, we we take the the Steelers game, for example, against the Titans. The NFL lucked out that neither one of those teams had had their buys yet. So they were able to reschedule the game. Well, they both had their buys in week seven. There's there's nothing that says what we're experiencing right now could not happen in week 11 or 12. Then how do you make up the game? You don't have bye weeks anymore. And I just wonder if the NFL is regretting not putting in a second bye week. You know, Blair, you and I talked yesterday. I, I thought maybe only the AFC should play in week 16, maybe. Maybe only the NFC should play in week 17. You're not taking a full week off, but now everybody in the AFC has the same bye week, maybe in week 16 and the NFC in week 17. And I just, I, I wonder if they're thinking right now, you know, we, we could have given ourselves some more options to get through this. Had, had we, had we done that?
2: I guess everything you know, on the table. To, to go back to, yeah, to that point, Blair, about Alan, Dr. Alan Sills that, saying that yesterday about everything being on the table. You know, I assume the Super Bowl is immovable in terms of its date. I, oh, I don't right? I
3: don't I don't think so. But,
2: no, I don't think so. That's what I was going to add. I mean, in general, there's no way that happens. It's been seen that way. But does it have to be? I mean, we're in a year like no other. So in my mind, you know, you can think you have to work backwards from the Super Bowl date. But I'm not sure that 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 really holds true. I mean, I, I, I think that's. I think there are circumstances that can make the Super Bowl movable. Okay,
0: all, all other sports have had to adjust their, um, you know, their their postseason. Well, everything—the <laughs> regular season and postseason schedule. I was hoping that the NFL uh, would would not have to do that, but maybe that's um, that was just being a little too optimistic. So, okay, well, we they
3: had a head start. They had a head start. Um, right, right. No, on, they did. on every other sport. They got to see how every other sport did it. And to me, again, that's why they should have had a better contingency plan for the schedule. You know, the NFL, I think, has had good protocols. They've had one outbreak. And I, I actually think when you look at the bigger picture, one outbreak among 32 teams, I, I think you've got some pretty good protocols in place. You've got less people testing positive than you do out in general society. I, I don't think a bubble for NFL teams was doable. Um, so... But I, I just thought that the, the the scheduling contingency should have been worked in when they saw what was happening, especially in a sport like baseball that was also not doing the bubble.
2: And just to add to that point real quick, you know, Patrick said this kind of casually yesterday, but it, it does hold true. Right now, you're talking about one outbreak and a couple of things here and there. That's where we are. And it really is. All right. what Where's it going to go from here? Are they going to be kind of scared straight? Whatever protocols haven't been followed or have been just, you know, Swatted aside, or in their personal lives, or or are they going to really? It, it, I guess that's the question. Are they going to be, you know, shaken up and sort of take on what baseball did at that at that key point where
3: it looked like that season was right about to collapse? The other thing that Mahomes said yesterday was that if you didn't think this was going to happen, you had false hope. And I thought that was pretty revealing that a player expected something like this to happen at some point.
1: Even the, yeah. National, even the National Football League, when they decided to go forward with the season and, and when they canceled preseason, don't, remember, don't forget Dr. Alan Sills during his August uh, tour, so to speak, with local media said, hey, we expect, we expect a positive test because it's, it's going to be inevitable. But we do have protocols in place to handle it. But what concerns me the most is the human nature. I, I, I think if all those reports that happened in Tennessee – Of the players, after being told not to get together and they did it anyway, I mean, what do you do?
0: Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKCoffer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Well, I think it's fair to overreact now and and uh, sound the alarm and and like like Roger Goodell did earlier this week and and come pretty 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 strong with your condemnation of of the actions of these players. It has to be taken seriously if they want to get through the season.
3: Okay, like Blair, Blair but what like yeah. what what do you think that means? I'm kind of curious of, of your opinion well, as to well, what what punish- should the punishments be.
0: Well, I I don't listen. Um, forfeiture of games has that ever happened in NFL history? That that to me would be the most drastic. Take the Titans that are three um, yeah. and zero feeling really good about their season. You're telling them they've got they've got to forfeit this week's Buffalo game. And how fair is that to uh, you know to the Patriots in the same division as the Bills? They get a win because yeah. the Titans couldn't. Uh, you know those are things that really have to be strongly considered. But uh, you know Goodell put it out there that it's 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 possible. Yeah,
3: I I agree with you just because the the draft pick thing is a little bit messy to me because you're you're potentially punishing future teams for what this current team is doing. It sort of reminds me, and this is more more your area, uh, Blair. But, you know, when when the college team gets put on probation for something the past coach does, that's kind of what taking away draft picks would be for me. And so I'm more into the actual forfeiting games. That's punishing the players who are responsible for this.
0: Boy, that would be fascinating if it came to that. It really would be. Okay, hey, let's um, let, let's switch it up quickly. Um, and Kyle Coffey says Mahomes was the most mad he's been after a win in a while. Crazy to think a win versus the Pats can mean a bad mood. Um, seems like he wasn't happy with their play on the offense at all. I think we agreed with the uh, with that after after hearing Mahomes after the game. So we're at the you know at, we're at the end of the first quarter of the NFL season for all but uh, the Titans and the Steelers, right? They've only played three games. Everybody else has played four. Um, so my, my question is, and we'll start with Baje on this. Did the, did the Patriots provide something of a blueprint to defend the chiefs? And I think we all agreed that, you know, if Cam Newton had been, uh, at behind the, you know, the center on Monday night, it would have been much more difficult. Maybe not a 16 point win. Who knows how the outcome would have fallen, uh, had Cam Newton been there. But, uh, but the way the Patriots played uh, defensively against the chiefs by, Hey, what uh, uh, did they show the rest of the NFL? Something.
2: Hey, first of all, about, about Cam, um, it would have been a different game, right? We just don't know the full dynamics. Uh, and, and so maybe we'll see those dynamics in play later. If they, if they meet in the playoffs, um, as far as a blueprint, you know, I think a book is developing on the chiefs. Right. And, and, and yet it's the ability to execute with the people you have also. and, I think it's fair to say they did some things that threw the Chiefs off, but also it, you know, Patrick spoke about this the other day and Sam Mellinger wrote about it. We've all kind of addressed it in some way or another. Patrick Mahomes wasn't sharp. He made some kind of uncharacteristic uh, mistakes and the Patriots caused some of that. But some of that was just just him being off a little bit. Um, I think that's pretty rare. And I think you need that combination of a great game plan and him being off to have a chance to beat him. And they still won 26 to 10. Um, so I think at the quarter poll, we've learned that, yeah, teams are trying to find new ways to stop him. Um, They're going to probably get more exotic, I would think, as they go. And also, though, they don't have to have Patrick Mahomes have a great game for them to win.
0: All true. All true. So. Um Herbie, I, I, I pulled this out just looking at the player participation rates. The, the the Patriots used a linebacker, although there was a linebacker, at least one linebacker on the field on Monday night for 13% of the plays against the Chiefs, which is to suggest they played a lot of defensive backs um, with their four linemen. And I, I just I, – I don't remember a game. and They actually just started one linebacker. So – um is, is that um, what should the Chiefs have been able to do against the Patriots with that defensive alignment? Run the football. <laughs> this, this is
1: something that Mel- Sam Mellinger, our esteemed colleague, he and I kept looking at each other in the press box. We're like, We got six defensive backs out there. Why aren't they running the football? You know, to your earlier question, and, and I'll get back to this other point here. The, the difficulty a lot of teams are going to have trying to match what the Patriots did is, number one, they don't have Bill Belichick. And I saw a comment scroll across the screen, and he was dead correct. They don't have the the defensive mastermind in charge of their scheme, and they don't have the personnel like the Patriots do. The, the Patriots were able to generate pressure with just four rushers. Okay, we saw what happened to the Ravens when you try to blitz. Patrick Mahomes is going to pick you apart. If I learned anything about the Chiefs over the first quarter, they're capable of winning ugly. They won ugly in in San Diego where the Chargers tried to devise the defensive scheme against them. They won ugly against the Patriots. But going back to your other question, if you're the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs and you see six defensive backs on the field, you know they're trying to take away the pass. Run the football. Force them to put a linebacker in there because they're clearly trying to take away your biggest component of your offense.
0: Yeah, herbie you you mentioned Sam Mellinger's column and I read it before we went on the air today. It's really w- well done, well researched, used film study and uh, and sh- and showed a couple of um of Clyde edwards Alaire runs that should have gone for you know bigger gains against the way the Patriots were lining up, but for whatever reason that just didn't happen. Maybe maybe Clyde didn't bounce outside or the offensive line didn't create the crease. So um it's it it's I think that's the important thing that the issue that uh, uh, that the Chiefs need to address against good defenses. they've got to be able to establish the run against teams that are going to you know play that kind of coverage in the in the secondary against them. Hey, yep. we had to say we had to say goodbye to vaje uh, conflict. So we've got herbie and Sam to bring us home today.
1: It's, it's fascinating to me because you always hear in the National Football League teams loading up on the run. And now we're seeing the complete opposite when it comes to defending the Chiefs. They're loading up against the pass. And, when you know, conversely, when when teams do load up against the run, the flip side of, of challenging that is to attack the pass. And so I think, you know, the, the beauty is you have Andy Reid. I'm sure he's watched all the cut-ups. He's watched all the tape. And if he, if you spy on a, a team with six defensive backs out there, go after it.
3: Yeah, the, Blair, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not there's a blueprint now, and obviously Sam addressed that, but Andy Reid now knows that blueprint too, right? And <laughs> so we're going to see some adjustments from the Chiefs as well. I mean, it's, it's not like this defense, the, the way that they played, is going to work against this team every single week, and what we saw from the Chiefs is what we're going to see from the Chiefs. They're, they're going to make some adjustments because of the way they were played, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they, you know, they tried to run the football on Monday. They just didn't do it very well. And you've got to execute the run game better. As much as calling the plays, you've just got to execute the run plays better.
0: Okay, look, it's four 4-0 team. So one or two things have gone right uh, for, for the Chiefs so far. I'll, I'll run down a quick list, and then I've got a question for you guys. Um, Tyreek Hill has a touchdown reception in every game this year, and I think that the defenses are trying to lock him up, and he's still getting free and getting into the end zone. Um, Patrick Mahomes, because it's a quarter poll, easy to project, right? Just multiply his stats by four, projects to 44 touchdowns, and 40 more than 4,500 yards passing, and no interceptions. Zero interceptions. <laughs> <But>, uh,
3: <laughs>
0: Chiefs have committed two turnovers this year. I think they could live with uh, a half a turnover per game uh, this season. And we talked about the pass defense earlier in the, um, in the show. What, what I wanted to ask you guys is the contributions of the rookies, the, the draft class, uh, specifically Edwards, Allaire, Willie Gay, Sneed, and, and Mike Dana, maybe getting, um, you know, as, as nice a bump as you might expect from, you know, a draft class when the team picked last in the, you know, in the first round and, and, um, uh, and, and probably, you know, in previous years, uh, with, with an exception of two or two, didn't get as much collectively out of its draft class this early in the season as they're getting now.
3: Agreed. I mean, we uh, yeah, I saw I saw a stat. Um, I think it was after week three that the, in one of the games the Texans played this year, just to compare and contrast, they did they had a, they had zero snaps from rookies the entire game. Like their draft class gave them nothing over an entire game. So you mentioned it, Blair. I mean, the, the Chiefs picked last in this draft, and they also. Um, picked a couple of guys that don't think we're on a lot of teams' radars based on where they picked them, LeJaria Snead being one of them. You can get a starting quarterback, a quarterback in the fourth round. It's a pretty good draft pick.
1: I think with their draft picks, uh, we're start. We're going to see one of them who was projected when the pick was made to make an impact. We're probably going to start seeing that now. Uh, Willie Gay, their second-round draft pick, zero snaps in week one, six snaps in week two, nine in week three drew the start against the Patriots and played on 25 defensive snaps. The key, the interesting thing to me was how they continued to rotate Ben Neiman in there. Neiman also played 20 defensive snaps, but I I think what's probably going to end up happening here now that we know that gay is a starter, so to speak, he's probably going to draw a little bit more playing time from Neiman.
0: Let's continue that thought on Gay, but I wanted to get in Chris Boone says don't forget about Tommy Towns and as uh, for the crop of newcomers, absolutely. And in newcomers. fact, you know, the guy set a record uh for average punting yards in in the previous game. I didn't know that until after the game, but he I, I forgot what the I think was it It was 60 plus, I think. sixty point three. The, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, undrafted free agent as as punters tend to be and he had um, had a really nice game against against New England. So, um uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, Chris. Thanks for reminding us about Tommy Towns. And okay, uh, Herbie, you mentioned Willie Gay and the role. I, I think his role expands, especially when the Chiefs are, you know, uh, looking at opponents that like to use the back out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, I think that's the case with the Raiders. We we were pretty sure it was going to be uh, in play with the Patriots. If teams have that ability, that's that's how kind of against Steve Spagnuolo's defense last year and this year they. They see opportunity there. Don't you think that's a primary reason we'll, we'll see more of Willie Gay?
1: Oh, absolutely. And you remember before the game when I tweeted out, hey, Gay's running, working with the starters, the first team, and you immediately texted back. I'm giving Blair props here because he pointed it out. Yeah, you got James White back there in the backfield for the Patriots, and he's, he's dead correct. I mean, when you've got those receiving-type running backs, this is the reason why they drafted Willie Gay. I, I always go back to draft night when Brett Vese kept saying his ability – to defend against the pass. We know what he can do against the run, but his ability to cover. He's a sideline-to-sideline side running, or excuse me, linebacker. He's got speed, so you're absolutely correct. Josh Jacobs for the Raiders is a pretty
3: darn good receiver out of the backfield, so it makes perfect sense to have Gay in there as well. There's sort of a couple things at play. First of all, their linebackers last year, we know, did not cover well. But second of all, the the defensive backs are covering really well. So those two things working together are, are going to make teams exploit tight end and running back matchups, and that's why you drafted this guy. I mean, that's the reason you brought him in. I think Willie Gay had maybe a little bit more of a disadvantage than other guys not not playing a preseason and a training camp and all that because he's learning a new defensive system. We saw how long it took veteran NFL players to learn Steve Spagnuolo's system last year before they finally got it together. You've got a rookie now that, that's trying to learn that system. So I, I think – what we see now, Herbie mentioned, his snap counts is something we probably should have anticipated before the season began. Just, just a gradual increase of his workload as, as he becomes more comfortable with what his assignments are there.
0: Yeah, especially with no preseason games, I, I think he he was the one rookie that might have benefited most from uh, from having preseason games. Um, okay, well, let's just uh, let, let's end it. Uh, let's start winding it down on uh, what we think will happen on Sunday with the Raiders. Been a weird season for the Vegas Raiders. They they looked so good in their first two games, including a victory over Drew Brees and the Saints at uh, at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, they have followed that up with losses uh, in in their last two games, uh, to, and and to the Patriots and the Bills. So um, I, I know that you know from as as is the case with all NFL teams, fans were just excited as they could be when the team wins, and now they're calling for. You know, for heads to roll now that they've lost a couple of games in in Vegas. So, um, Derek Carr, of course, as we we always start with him when we talk about the Raiders. He's never won at Arrowhead Stadium. He's 0 6, um, and has uh, had a couple. There have been a couple of pick six, sixes in the last couple of games for the Chiefs against Derek Carr. He's looked good and bad at times. He hasn't thrown a pick this year. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions. I think that speaks to the short passing game especially, as you said, Herbie, to j- Jacobs out of the backfield. Um, I don't know. It, it's a Raiders team to come in here in a bad mood, and, but uh, they could be motivated inspired. And, and we saw um, Carr's comments after the loss to the Bills, how he was just sick of losing. But um, I, I think the Raiders can bring their A game to Arrowhead on Sunday, and it won't matter. I think the Chiefs end up winning this thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, there's a reason why the Chiefs have won five straight against the Raiders. They can extend it to six straight with a win on Sunday. But, you know, this this is two different Raiders teams from the first quarter. The first two games, I was actually impressed. I was like, wow, they're actually pretty good. These last two games, though, they've been shorthanded, and I think that's what hurt them the most. Their starting right tackle, Trent Brown, hasn't played since suffering a calf injury, I believe, again, in week one. Rugs, the guy that they were really depending on to spread – to open up the downfield passing game, hamstring injury in week two and hasn't played. So those injuries coincide with some of these losses here, but I don't think they have enough right now, especially if Ruggs, a hamstring injury, can linger. I don't think – if he's not playing, there's no way in the world they can hang with the Chiefs.
3: Yeah, the, the matchup I'm most looking forward to is the Chiefs' safeties against Carr. Carr has not played well against the Chiefs, and last year you mentioned they had to pick six. That was Juan Thornhill. But Tyron Matthew had an interception at Arrowhead that he just completely read Derek Carr's tendencies on film. And I'm almost wondering now if there's a lot of stuff going through Derek Carr's head as he's approaching this game. He's never won at Arrowhead, doesn't play well against this team, and now he's going against a guy that, that looked to have, have him, him figured out a little bit last year. I, I just think there's a lot of play, that, and most of it's going against the Raiders. I know the Chiefs didn't play their best against the Patriots, but – I, I think it's at least a two touchdown game on Sunday.
0: Okay, and we can save this for the next time that uh, the rematch in um, in Vegas. But I've got to think this is it for Derek Carr. If he doesn't get it done this season, they got to make a change, and, and maybe it happens sooner rather than later. But uh, uh, I think it's just one playoff season with him at the quarter as, as a starting quarterback for was it five or six years now. It's it's yeah. really time for for Derek Carr to start winning some games for the Raiders. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for joining us for your questions and comments to, uh, to Herbie and Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and, and Sam Ellinger. We missed you today. We'll get you next time. Uh, Beth Welsh, thanks for producing today. And we will talk to you again after Sunday's game, which kicks off at noon. Yes, <laughs> a noon kickoff on Sunday. So uh, look for us late afternoon on Sunday on Sportsbeat Live. Have a good rest of your morning. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welch, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Herbie Teope, and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those who want to dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to SportsPass, for 99 cents a month. That's right. 99 pennies a month. After 3 months it auto renews at 5.99 a month unless you cancel. So, how do you get that? You go to kansascity.com/sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com/sportspass2020. Do you want more than sports coverage? I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features commentary and analysis the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues plus additional news, sports and business coverage with the E edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com and we'll get you to the right place. Whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we will be back on Friday to talk the college football weekend.